Hey guys, how's it going? Hello. Hey. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's good? What's good? Uh, we got snow goons on the line. Well, it's half of you guys are there, right? Yes, four. Exactly. Yep. Um. So we have DJ Illegal and Debt Gunner. That's right. Yes. And you guys started snow goons together. It, yes. How exactly did you guys meet? And um, what I'm really curious about is, did you guys know each other before you made music? Um, well, basically, we met actually through music in the, um, let's say, mid-90s. Um, obviously, we're from Germany, so um, in the south of Germany, to be correct. And uh, we met on a hip-hop jam, basically, in the Bavarian part, like close to Nuremberg. And um, I was selling mixtapes because at the time I was like, you know, doing my mixtapes as DJ Illegal. Yeah. I sold that one of my mixtapes. And that was like very, um, you know, suspicious. Like he was like, yo, <laughs> I hope there is something on the tape. And, you know, I, I got scammed before and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, you're good. I'm definitely I'm recording my mixtapes and I. Um, there is definitely dope music on it. Yeah, give me your number just in case. And don't give me no blank empty tape. And, and you know what happened? <laughs> so, so I gave him my number, you know. A side yep. was good, B side oh, was no. empty. So I called <laughs> oh, him, boy. you know, like, yo, what's up? And he was like, oh, man, man, I, I didn't even know how this could happen and everything. And that's basically how it started. And I gave him my address and he sent me the full tape. Something went wrong in copying these tapes, obviously, and stuff. And, yeah. you know, and that night, we, we when, when I went there as a hip-hop fan to a jam, you know, I saw him, like, selling all these tapes, these New York tapes, you know, like um, DJ Camillo, Tony Touch tapes and all that. Yeah. So it was all American artists Through, on it? Yeah. So um, New York Tape Kings and stuff, they distri uh, distributed all these tapes. And so we started talking to each other and exchanged music, you know, like... Um, putting stuff on tape and everything, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, you have to see. This is still the '90s where tapes actually were still relevant. You know, right. I mean, mm -hmm. now nowadays it's emails and MP3s, but but back then the easiest way to send somebody music, even kind of, this was like uh, the 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 CD era came up, but not, not like everybody could easily burn CDs like that, right? So tapes was still the the thing to go from the early '90s. So that yeah, was that was our yeah. medium, and and we, yeah, we exchanged music. I had tapes from New York, and and bringing, um, sending people over like Funkmaster Flex recordings from the Hot ninety seven radio station when he played, you know, and all that stuff. So we exchanged music, basically as hip hop fans, and then we we through talking, I said, yeah, yeah, I'm doing music and DJ legal, yeah, yeah, I'm remixing stuff as a DJ and stuff. So I said, okay, I come by. You live two hours away from me, I come by. To stay over the weekend you know like we, we we just listen to music chill vibe and do some stuff and that's how it started you know we did beats for no reason and right, we had reason. nobody for recording anything we just did to do some hip-hop music you know basically uh, we did a, we did a freestyle mixtape per se not freestyle in sentence of rhyming on it but like we put together a mixtape you know like with all our favorite tracks kind of 
Yeah. And if if you if you want to say this this is basically the first work as no goons more or less, but then yeah. you know we wanted to compete with all the New York DJs in the in the nineties, and obviously here in Germany we couldn't get nobody on the mic like that. You know when you when you in New York and you appear cutting or whatever, and and Mr. C and all these guys they had all the guys coming in and out to the studios and drop some exclusive freestyles. But our thing was like, how how could we get exclusive here in Germany? So we start remixing songs, basically. You know, in the 90s, you had all the 12 inches and on a lot of 12 inches, there was the a cappella version. Right. So so we start just fucking around with some um, a cappellas and remixed it, basically. And, and then and then I had the idea first, it was just remixes by other beats from other records. And then we had the idea to make it even more exclusive. We could do remixes with our own beats. And that's more or less how really the Snow Goons came together, you know, like, so we never started out as like, oh yeah, let's produce some hip hop. It was just really having fun with the music basically and playing around. Yeah. So how old do you guys think you were at this time? Well, we was in our like late teens like like early 20s you know like it's it's it, like we we both grew up during like the late 80s 90s era hip-hop of course you know when we was kids yeah. and this this was just around when we basically you know when we, in germany you can't do your driver's license when you're 18 so mm -hmm. it was slightly after because before i could barely travel somewhere else you know like two hour three hour away to munich to like bigger cities on on hip-hop jams so wow. Yeah. So, um, were you um, DJing or making beats in high school at all, or was this definitely after for all of it? Yeah, no. Um, um, I, I more or less kind of, you know, I wouldn't say quit school, but like I, you know, um, my main focus was definitely music. I was spinning already with like 16 years. And I made actually kind of money with spinning, you know, it, it wasn't big money, but that's why I was starting selling mixtapes and everything. I was already hustling, you know, I got here and there a little show for a couple of bucks and, and, and selling my mixtapes, basically, you know. And I, I also had a German hip hop crew where we had a couple shows, you know, n nothing crazy, but here and there, there was some shows. So I got around and um, making already money with music, more or less, you know, and, and that showed me the way. And, and the motivation wasn't really the money, but like just the fun and, and everything that comes with it, though. But for me, it was always the music. Yep. So um, how long after that do you think you came up with the name Snow Goons and who first came up with it? Yeah. Um, let's say when we met as, as hip-hop fans and exchanged music and, and started to work on stuff was like 96, 97. And the name came up in 99, 1999. Mm -hmm. And the original name came from that um, Calvin and Hobbes cartoon by, from um, Bill, uh, what, what is Bill Watterson, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In the 90s, Calvin and Hobbes. And there was that one um, comic strip called the, um, what is it called? The Attack of the Deranged Mutant Monster Snow. <laughs> <laughs> and I had that com uh, that comic book, you know, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, that's you know the snow goon in in, in definition in a Calvin Hobbes comic strip was a snowman with two heads." So, and we were two people, so I was like, "Man, the snow goons." <laughs> so, wow, I would have never sound, thought of that. You know? Usually, a name is given and not earned, you know, not not made. Right, but right. on the other hand, if you come up with a band name, you you have to come up with something, you know. Yeah. So this, 
um, circled around in our heads for a couple of months, and then we, we started getting familiar with it and sounded cool and everything. And I think we did the right step because the word goon always was spinning around and then like mafia movies or whatever, you know, but um, that was not even the case when we came up. It was really like, hey, we, we snowmen, you know, we, we, we up in Germany, a lot of heavy snow in the Bavarian part near the Alps and everything. So that's familiar too, two white boys, snow, okay, kind of white <laughs> <laughs> and and all that, you know, um, um, made sense to us. So we liked the name and everybody showed us, showed us love and the, the offspring for the Snow Goons name was 1999. Mm. And for Zingle as the Snow Goons, when was that? 2003? 2003. Yeah, yeah, they were sitting on beat, tons of beats, you know, just two young boys like doing beats and beats and nobody had nobody rhyming to it. <laughs> so you didn't have any um, German rappers on any of these beats? Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, kind before of, any American but... ones? Yeah, yeah, we had, but like, this was all songs we record. We had even songs with Virtuoso from Boston. Um, oh, yeah. So, so is, hold on. Is he one of the first um, American artists you worked with? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, as far as I can remember, right? Like, um, Virtuoso? Yeah, Virtuoso was the first and, and a, a couple other Boston cats, though, at the time. But, um, yeah, that he was, because... It, you know, it started all with uh, eBay, basically, because I copped one of Virtuoso's, the incinerator, his his first 12-inch. He yeah. sold it on eBay, and I actually copped it from him uh, through eBay. And um, I didn't even know it was him personal, right? And uh, he, he emailed me and said, yo, I'm, this, this must have been, like, I believe, 98 or 99 around that time and he said he's gonna come to germany next year um and if i knew like record spots and and stuff like that because it was his first time to europe and then i realized oh it's virtuoso right so we start talking online via email basically this was even pre before myspace or any of that um this was really through ebay with the email and then um yeah then you know while we was talking i told him about like that we're doing beats and i sent him some stuff so that's that's how we basically really basically really through ebay came our first connection to the u.s yeah. but geosa really was kind of like a first always honest mm -hmm. yeah 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 i was wondering um like what the connection was with you guys in boston because you you've worked with so many new england and boston artists you know like um yeah. M. The connection was because my younger sister, she she used to live in Boston and went to college. Oh, so you went there a lot. So, so I went there, you know, stayed over, and um, she was married to an American guy, you know, met in Texas. Then they moved to Boston to go to college and stuff. But um, so we were there, and they had that Amazon Radio College, and they played underground hip hop every Friday and Saturday night for two or three hours. Well, they actually they actually had that like every um, during the week too. Oh yeah, that's right. And I'm I was from, uh, I, whenever I was New there Hampshire. two weeks, I came back with like 10, 15, 19 minutes tapes recorded all these shows, you know. Yeah, hold and, on, hold on one second. Um I'm actually from New Hampshire. Oh, it's, okay. It's an hour away from Boston. And so I was in mass a lot, you know, like in the nineties, and we'd be listening that was really one of the only places we could hear really good hip hop is mm -hmm. on um eighty eight point nine, Emerson College. It was um Fax One. Shout out to Fax One. Word, um, word, word. 
But um, yeah, yeah that was, those were and, and there was some connections. You know, like um, one guy called Ilin P from Boston. They had him in the in the studio, yep, yep. and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, um, whoever wants to work, here's my email." So they yeah, was writing down the email, you know, and we hit him up. So we was working with Ilin P, and that was like a snowball effect, you know, like where Joe and, and he knew a lot of guys. And said, hey, you, all the Boston guys link up with the snowboard. They're like easy and and cool guys and 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 all that, you know. So one thing really was leading to another it took a while and and after boston we after touring in europe some of these philly cats we we met reap the lost cause and stuff and then we expanded you know the recording snow goons universe more to philadelphia and then um obviously new york with mop and all them yeah it's crazy because um uh i know a lot of those guys like m dot's a good friend of mine and um Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I've been saying for like the last 15 years or like really since the early 2000s, I feel like New England has the best MCs, you know, mm-hmm. because like, the, I don't know, New York, New York, nothing against New York, but like everyone started to rap like they were from down south and like <laughs> the more mainstream hip hop. And so it was mm-hmm. it was rough, like being a hip hop fan, you know, with the uh, New York hip hop kind of falling off a lot. And I feel yeah. like the Boston rappers really stepped it up. You know, like static, static selector. Um, mm-hmm. Like he has a lot to do with it. I feel like with with just his high quality of, of work ethic and the, and um, the production he was putting out, and then with terminology and Rex, all these guys, they just you know they're killing. And Esoteric is is like one of the best MCs in the world. I feel like right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, man. Boston. You know, we always been heavy with the Boston scene. Like, if you look at. Um, at our feature list, like we we almost worked with everybody there, you know, even Legends, mm. Meadow, Big Shook, like you know, and then the whole AOTP camp, if you want to say, and like like you said, M Dot, the new guys, you know, it's like it's so many, but yeah, man, Mass has always been been good, even in the nineties. I mean, look, man, like it, it it was so that we we even thought like Edo is from New York, basically, you know, he had always that problem because he was just up there with with all the New York guys. And this this was in the '90s already, you know. He put definitely Boston on the map, and 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 even today, man, like he's still relevant, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. So um, when you guys were coming up in the '90s, was there any shows like um, like eighty-eight point nine had over there that you listened to? Not really, because the fact is that in Germany, generally, there is not a big radio culture as like in the U.S., you know. Mm-hmm. We don't have like college radio, for example. I mean, there is there is definitely local stations and there's commercial radio, commercial of radio. course. But there is not like a um, like you know in the states you have all this variety and 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 radio even today is really relevant. Plus you have Sean yeah. radio over here. It's just like the yeah. big hit stuff, you know. You know, it's it's not like you have a rock oh, music so it's station. All, it's all super soul or hip hop station. You, you basically have these mainstream stations who do like talking all the day, and then they play play nothing but um, contemporary, easy to listen to charts i mean there, stuff, there is definitely like hip-hop shows and you know but it's all on a smaller level like and the only one bigger 
let's say compared to like hot 97 is it's the same as hot 97 right now it's only really super commercial stuff they they don't play like real hip-hop or anything you know but yeah. in, in generally the radio culture here in in germany and i i would probably say in europe ain't ain't even like you know not even like 20 percent of what it is in the states actually you know because in the states it's it's also it's because the states is also like it's this huge country and people in the cars and they actually listen in the car to radio and stuff and here I feel like, I mean, of course, people also listen in the car to radio or whatever, but it just, it's just a big difference, you know. It's like, for example, it's a big selling point in the States if you have a rental car and you have Sirius on it or whatever, you know, and like you have satellite radio in it. That's like a big point. Like over here, nobody would even bother like talking about radio in your car, you know. That's, that's, that's the last point on the checklist if somebody want to rent wow. a car. Yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. So that's 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 why it's like that's why I'm saying it's not a big culture here. The radio, so it's not. I used to spin in a little radio, like a local one, but it, this is just really local, where where it's like basically around the city, kinda. And yeah. um, the funny thing is, um, it was a, a, a like a, a um, yeah, I don't know, like an independent little radio station, and they actually was next to a, a youth penitentiary here in 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 the city where I'm from in Graalsheim. And um, just a couple of years ago, actually, and this was in the 90s, right? So a couple of years ago, somebody hit me up on, I can't remember if it was Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. And he, was, he told me that he was listening actually to, to my radio show while he was in the, in the youth. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Um, penitentiary basically yeah yeah and, and told me that like yo is that you DJ Legal from back then man I used to listen to your show and blah blah I was like oh shit you know like so yeah. I knew it's real because he remember but yeah but other than that it's it's really not a big um, um, issue what what had more value in hip hop basically is definitely like the DJs and, and mixtape and shit this was like there was a real mixtape scene like similar to New York or whatever was all over Germany you know like a lot of DJs had their mixtapes and they they you could even like on the um on the hip-hop stores they were selling all the mixtapes but this was for all over germany so i'm sure you remember when you went to new york and you went to chinatown or whatever or, or certain streets in new york where you could buy all the mixtapes you know yeah or boston you could you could get a lot yeah okay yeah you know i, I have never been really in the 90s to boston so i don't know but um but yeah, you know, and, and, and this was kind of like definitely on all the hip hop um, champs and, and shows here because in because we had even in the late 90s, we had still like real hip hop champs in Germany, you know, where they had graffiti and b-boying and still and stuff. Of course, it kind of changed too now to more like just concerts. But yeah. we still used to have like real like w when when in New York is the Rocksteady jam, you know, with like all the elements of hip hop. This shit has been in Germany since, you know, like, I don't know, also the, the late 80s. And it went all like to the early 2000s, you know, mm -hmm. so. Do you guys remember um, the first major U.S. artist you saw live over there? In Germany? Yeah. 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 Like in the southern part of Germany, U.S. forces was stationed ever since World War Two uh, in Nuremberg, especially. So um, they had a huge base, I think, with 30 or 40,000 uh, soldiers and, like, the same amount of civilians. So um, U.S. artists always stopped in Nuremberg or in the southern part of Germany, Munich, Nuremberg and stuff, and big concert halls. So I was, like, I remember 86 and 87, I was at the concert in Nuremberg with the Def Jam tour when Run DMC came with LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys. 
like half a year later, I saw Public Enemy with um, oh, wow. who was there. I think it was LL again. And right before Public Enemy dropped um, their first album, you know, and, and I, all these GIs were there, and, and I was there with high school friends, you know, from the Bamberg and Nuremberg area, Americans, and we were always like, wow, Public Enemy, you know, everybody knew when we went, when we went home, everybody knew this is like the next big thing. They, they were there, all of them, you know, Professor Griff and the whole crew, Flavor Flav and all of them. And then we saw like, um, same same year, I guess, 87, 88, Salt and Pepper, you know, everybody came over and it was all packed shows like um, this this one venue packed like eight to 10,000 10, people, always sold out. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember this must have been 90 or 91 my first concert was basically Ice T, and I can't even remember, man. Who there was other artists there as well, but we went there mainly for Ice T because I, you know, I kind of knew Ice T from the record, yeah. And um, and I went there, and then I believe the year after it was Ice Cube who was coming. So it's kind of funny, like Ice T and Ice Cube are my first American right. artist to see <laughs> um, from from the states, yeah. Because there was no in the in the um, we was just talking about it in like till like all the way almost till end of the 90s. There was never been like underground hip hop touring, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, Karen from Sabotage in, in Berlin, like the, she was pretty much the very first underground hip hop agency um, bringing artists to Europe. Before that, basically only major artists, right? Yeah, pretty much yeah. only major artists, you know, and then um, she started in 97 with the arsonists. Oh wow! Yeah, they're good. Yep, and and they they was the first one I believe like as independent underground artists who did like a full European tour, hitting like fifteen countries or whatever all over Europe, you know. And then and then actually I believe her second bigger tour in '98 was already the Boston tour with Mr. Live, um, Esoteric. Um, let me think who was there too. Uh, Acrobatic. Uh, Damn, two free other cats. It was like a, a big ass Boston lineup, you know. And um, did you go? Nah, because at this time I was um, just moving somewhere else, and you know I wasn't really too much focused on music like that. You know, I, I went to like certain concerts. I do remember I saw an arsonist in '97 in Heidelberg, but um, that was my my only like you know whatever if you want to say American hip hop show, and then. I just eventually joined um, Karen from Sabotage because I know really well because I actually started working for her in 2001 or 2002. I, I did my first tour then with um, Souls of Mischief and Virtuoso. Mm. And that's how also a lot of the Snow Goons connections came up, you know, when, when I did these tours. And I, I traveled with Master Ace, Edo, like, yo, you name it. It's like pretty much if you look at the first two Snow Goons albums, like the majority of all artists featured on there, that's like all the tours that we did here in Europe, you know. And, and that's how really these albums came together because it, it was like touring with the artist. We became eventually friends and, you know, sharing music and then they recorded and, you know, so one, one thing came to another. So, um... You were on tour as Virtuoso's DJ, like you guys started on, working together and then... Yeah, exactly. On this tour, I was basically his DJ and they had a tour manager on this on this tour, right? And then the tour manager eventually became sick and had to leave the tour. So I, since I was the only, per se, German, <laughs> other German guy on the, on the whole tour, 
um, I jumped in and did his job from zero to hundred. You know, I haven't been any touring or experience like whatever you do. You know, because it's 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 definitely a tough job, man. Like um, you have to, you know, you have to drive. You have to handle the business. You be basically the first to get up. You be the last one to sleep. Kind of, it's like babysitting almost, depending on the artist. You know. Right. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I was doing that for the I, I can't remember. It was only four or five dates left and I jumped in. And that's how actually the idea came together, because uh, Karen, again, from Sabotage, who did the tour, she was saying like, yo, the artist said you did a really good job and everything worked out. Can you imagine, you know, doing some more tours? And I was like, why not? Everybody was happy. Everybody was getting his weed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on yeah, tour like all the time. Man, I always told Manu, man. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't stand one day. <laughs> so uh, so you man. both went on the tour. No, no, sometimes I, I I came to the venue for you know for if yeah, it, it was reachable from from where I live you know with a couple of hours of drive, but most of the time these tours were like they they were spread European out over tours, all yeah. European tours. So we're talking about basically the whole Europe, you know, like France, Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and all that, you know. And that's quite a travel. So yeah, whenever yeah. was something like in the southern part of Germany, I came by, you know, introduced, hey, so I'm the other half of the Snow Goons um, crew, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we connected, you know. So the whole time you're on tour, were you um, just playing all the all the artists, your beats, and that's how the first album came together, basically? Basically, yeah, really. Like, um, you know, sometimes we just connected and then... This was also then the time when we start going more often to the U.S., you know, like because obviously um, once you become, let's say, friends or whatever, right? Because I get along pretty well with, with pretty much everybody. Right. And um, so we got invited. Yeah, whenever you come to New York or to Boston or whatever, just step by to the studio. And, you know, and, and, and obviously they mainly said it just to be friendly and whatever, because that's just the American thing to do, you know, inviting people and shit. But uh, once we actually um, decided to go to the states, we hit up everybody, of course. And but yeah, we I remember um, for the for the most parts, the first album was really mainly recorded even on the road, like in hotel rooms. Whenever we had an off day, we went either to a studio or I had back then my Mbox, so we connected it. And you know, they was writing already. When we drove sometimes five six hours a day, they was writing to a beat, and then you know, then we just you know knocked out the joint. So that's that's definitely how these first two albums more or less came together. Do you remember like um, what your first major placement was in the U.S.? Like whether it was on the radio or mixtape, or who, what DJ it was? <sighs> Pretty tough though, but um, I I could figure it was definitely after the first album um, hit because you know we we were signed to Baby Grant. and um, they did a pretty good job as far as promotion and everything. Yeah, because um, we saw definitely a, a huge difference when we dropped our first 12 inch in, in 2004. Um, you know, we dropped it and eventually after whatever certain time we sold the units, we pressed up and it was OK. It was cool. You know, we had mass base and there was here and there some feedback. But once we um, we stepped to Baby Grand and they put out the record, it was a whole nother level, you know, like we. We saw on undergroundhiphop.com on the forum and shit, like which is also from Boston, obviously. Um, you know, there was like a whole 
like feedback from so many people and and so honestly i can't really remember if if i'm sure some of the joints got played in um in in the radio and stuff but we wasn't really aware per se you know like what's really going on because we were still so far even with the internet i can also just say like um in 2007 when the german luca album came out our first album um sick nature who is now in the crew he joined the crew basically a year later um he told us that when he went to new york and was in fat beats in new york he saw the record right there and he didn't even know who snow guns was so he thought first when he saw the record with all the american features must have been some american guys basically and um he was listening to the record and he definitely liked it and then he just found out like months later when he went back to Denmark because he's from Denmark, right? So yeah. when he went back, then he he realized like, yo, that's the guys that I saw, you know, the record in Fat Beats and they're, yo, they're from Germany. What's going on? You know, so um, it, it definitely helped us in major ways, like to releasing our albums first through Baby Grant back then. So um, when you've had other people join snow goons was it because they they reached out to you or was it because you guys reached out to them and invited them well it it got together definitely mutual in a way but um when we started with the snow goons me and dad here um obviously it was just us and then you know um just by net by nature we we had in the beginning um two other guys here from germany that we kind of saw as like if you really want to say they, in an extension or whatever as like sons or whatever, right? They was really younger and there was young cats coming up, like producing, DJing and mixing and all of that stuff. And, um, but yeah, you know, eventually the kids, they grow up and then they move out, you know, and that's, that's what basically happened. But when we, when we met Signature, it was on a whole nother level, you know, because Signature already placed himself as an established artist. Like he put out a record also in 2007, his first record, Honey on Home. Um, and it featured like heavy features from Ill Bill, Slain, Q Unique, you know, like the whole mm -hmm. nonfiction kind of squad, even the pre La Coca Nostra, if you want to say. And he was already connected to Ill Bill. So that's why also Signature started producing for the first La Coca records before even basically the Snow Goons. And um, so I met Signature personally on, a, on another tour in Denmark in, I believe, in 2007, when we was on tour with Reef the Lost Cause and Eternia. And um, he opened up at the same show and, um, and he gave me his album, basically. And, when, and it, so it was like he, when he discovered our record in Fat Beats, it was like the same when he gave me his CD. Because on the next day, I at the I honestly at the at the event of the night, I wasn't even paying really much attention because I was the DJ and you know I had to do tour managing, a lot of stuff going on. Right. But then the next day when I put in the CD, I was like, oh yeah, this that cat that gave me the CD, signature. Okay, I, I will check it out though because I saw it's Ill Bills, Lane, and Unique and all these features. So I was like, all right, let's check it out. And then every track was banging, and I was like, yo, holy shit! Like who produced <laughs> this shit? And then. And because at that time I, I thought Signature is just an MC, right? But then I then I learned that he produced all these joints, and I was like, "Yo!" So I hit them up, and I was like, "Yo, man! Like, you know, you have a very similar production style. I would say at least the samples and everything, and the energy and shit. Because the first Snowgun stuff was also a lot of energy and that kind of dark, epic type kind of shit. 
and um yeah so you know we chopped it up on 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 the email and everything and and pretty fast we you know it was the same when me and dad got together in the beginning it's like you know when you meet people you always kind of feel pretty fast if if you very cool with these people or not you know and and it it just clicks and that's what happened right yeah so um now there's also another member of the group js custer correct right mm -hmm. And, exactly uh, and he's from germany he's from germany as well and it's it's similar to the other first guys that i was saying like he's he was a little bit younger he came into the crew and um we decided on one point to put him fully in the crew and then also right now he's still you know we all cool it's it's there is no beef or anything it's just he he kind of grew out of of the style that we doing and you know as a younger cat you you experiment with like different styles and you know and now he's he was always an MC as well, and um, he was rhyming in German. And now he's gonna be focused on his um, German career, basically as an as an MC, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So when you guys make an album, or just any tracks, like, do you try to like uh, get together for that, or like all try to collaborate, like have a little piece of it, or do, is there like a lot of songs where just one person produced it or worked on it, or you know what I mean? Just one person right. created yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the creative level is always um, the beginning. And, and that's when we talk about, let's let's just take, for example, right now it's it's here in Germany, it's past midnight and our new album, The Renaissance Kings, just dropped basically on Spotify. And if you take that album, for example, which is a good example, um, you know, in the beginning, we talk about where we want to go with this record and what kind of topic we're going to have. And then we all start working basically on beats. So it's so it's not like really that we actually sit together in one studio and, and knocking out beats together. Sometimes it happens, but for the most part, since, like I said, Signature is from Denmark, which is a couple flight hours away from here, from south of Germany. Um, and with the with the luxury of the internet, it's really easy to you know call and 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 do sessions. But overall, everybody works on his own beats more or less. And then we, but we still put these ideas together. And then sometimes even, um, let's say, I don't know, me and Dad doing a beat here. And then we think like, yo, this could use, you know, a heavy bass line or whatever. Cause, cause Signature has like these um, heavy bass lines and shit. And then we send him the beat and then he plays some to it maybe. And he sends it back. Or sometimes he sends a sample and be like, yo, maybe y'all could do some to this, whatever. You know, it's, it's definitely a, um, a working together, but Technically, everybody works on his own. Yep. Um, so since you mentioned the new album, um, let's talk about that for a minute. Do you guys have a favorite track off of it? Each of you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always... Um, for me, it's very difficult because I've been there from day one and I've seen how these songs coming together, right? And um, And then you get on a point where you listen so much to those joints because... You have to judge the mixing and and all of that and then you put it finally together and then by the time the album comes out you almost can't hear it anymore you know not right. because you've heard all these songs a million times probably exactly you know you hear it all over and over again you know that's the problem and then 
Um, but yeah, you know, um, with this album, I feel really confident, man. And, and um, I definitely, I mean, I like all our albums, but it's not like that I go much back to the older albums and bump them every day or some shit, you know. It's just once in a while when it happens, that I'm like, oh shit, yeah, we did this joint, you know, I almost forgot about it because we're doing so many joints. <laughs> but for me, when, when we're talking about the new album, it's definitely one of my favorites is the Sean P joint. Yeah. What do you think, Jet? Um, yeah, Sean P is always good. But, um, I like the Levitation with Ransom and Capris. Yeah, I think they they got awesome lyrics and has for me it has a super high replay value, and the song is not the typical Snowgoons thing. But if you um, breathe through our albums, every album has like this this laid back a little bit different kind of tracks like Viro like Starlight or Cardiac Rhythm with Sean Strange and stuff and these tracks kind of always peak out you peak know. out and, and stand out for me you know these are one of my favorites and and actually like back in the days I was the, the one um, bringing all these epic samples to Mano and we started out banging all these epic beats but um, so Levitation goes into that route or takes that route and so i like this joint a lot and i think ransom and and capris they both did a super awesome job and and super awesome uh, rhymes so in the connection with capris is, is super tight anyway so this is one of them but um from the tracks not released throughout the um, past months my hidden gem is definitely the um god with um ty ferris and rashid chappelle because I love the beat. That beat is always reminds me of a Wu Tang Ghostface Killer beat, and and super rough and 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 I just like Rashid, you know. Yeah. Hopefully we can work more with him. <laughs> but that's my hidden gem on that album. So when you guys um, make an album like this, are you do you like make a list of the people you want on it and just hit them up, or or like are these people you've been working with a lot, mm-hmm. and you're just like, hey, we want to throw this song on the new album, or or they reach out to you? How how does it usually happen? Both, it's, both. Yeah, it's actually a combination of everything. I mean, of course, we're going to do a main concept um, about where we want to go and sound-wise and artist-wise, and we definitely do a list. But then it's like, you know, we have sometimes floating around a couple joints here and there that we just did somewhere. And, and then, like you said, sometimes even it's just really timing. Like somebody hit us up, yo, you know, want to work with your... Like, for example, Ty Ferris, that was the, just the same thing, you know, he hit us up for a beat. And so we was like, yeah, we're working also on the new album. And, you know, so this is how it came together. But yeah, for the for the most parts, we definitely do a list and then, you know, go through it. And, and we have the usual suspects always on the album. But if you also look on all the Snowguns albums, there is always like new guests there. You know, it's never going to be like just the usual suspects you know unless of course we're going to do a whole project with one artist right now is is there anyone looking back at all the the features you've had is there anyone where you're like i can't believe we worked with with this guy mm, you mean in sentence of like negative like, uh, or positive no That's like uh, looking at it like you're like you're like <laughs> wow like your mind is kind of blown like you're looking back like you're almost starstruck i guess you could say yeah, that whole for me that whole MOP project doing an, a whole album and and able to pull it off, you know, never done before. And MOP was like I was always into MOP ever since Stick to Your Guns mid nineties. I mean, they had production from DJ Premier and all of them, you know, the big hits signed with 
G units, uh, JC and all that, you know. Yeah. And ha having the opportunity to work with them, for me, I mean, uh, I, I speak for Chase Kuster as well, you know, uh, he was like, oh, wow. So he was putting in extra time, extra effort and everything, you know, and Billy Dan's always said, like, man, we was like texting the snowballs, we need more beats, so there's, there's more beats, we need more beats, we said, there's more beats, and we was like, man, God, God, man, what direction do they want to take? Because we had the feeling like we already sent out 20 typical MOP bangers, but you never know what, what the artist is looking like. Maybe they're tired of their usually banger type sound, and they're looking for something different. And then we had right. like the first beat picked, you know, and we was like, Oh, that direction. Okay, we need more beats. Okay, we took more into that direction, you know, and then boom, 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 boom. And still, I mean, like 10, 12 beats um, for that album, for the Sparta album. So that was something outstanding, you know, that was, yeah, that was definitely pretty the, a milestone for us. The, the, the Sparta album, and then actually right pretty much after that, topping it with um, the Onyx album, you know, in my opinion, because... Um, Onyx, like, I'm also always been a super fan of Onyx, and um, I wouldn't say they fell off or something, you know, it's just, like, been, it's been very difficult for them because they haven't been the whole crew, and they had no management, you know, and um, so when we did this album, it kind of brought them back to that spot where they're supposed to be, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was kind of quiet after Shut Em Down album. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. true you know and 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 um the thing is like fred Rowe and sticky they're like geniuses you know like seriously like when i have never like worked before with somebody who like they take a beat so simple and they make a monster out of it you know when they picked the first couple beats i was like okay well this beat is okay but i just put in we put them in the folders just to make the other beats look better, basically, right? So they picked a pretty basic beat, but then they doing their thing and 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 they scream in the hook and whatever, and then you realize, like, yo, they brought out the full potential of this beat, you know, like the simplicity of sometimes things. And um, I I really got to say, man, like Fred Rowe and Sticky, as as hardcore as they are and shit, but like as far as artists, they are really geniuses for real. Now um, looking back, do you guys? think you have like a favorite song you've created or worked on yeah definitely i mean like that said you know it's it's probably not even i mean obviously the hatred joint for example is like one of our most played joints right but it's just because that energy and i guess the time it came out and everything but now looking back a little bit for us i guess it's definitely more like starlight you know that song who is like really more quiet and really lyrical you know and um, even with the full history now of of viral the virus, you know, and um, but you know that's definitely one of my highlights in a way because whenever that song comes on, I always can hear it, you know, and it's but it's it's always tough to charge your own music, you know. It's like I said before, I'm I'm not really sitting here and bumping my own music right. or something. But yeah, yeah, no, of course, it's it's you you know you go over your resume or whatever and. Um, you know, as an artist, I guess it's it's always also relevant to obviously to watch your your previous work, but also like look into the future, you know, where you want to go. And and I guess this is also one of the toughest things as an artist, like to keep the balance between like you want to evolve and you want to do something new, 
but at the same time, you don't want to switch up your whole style, you know, because that's that's what you are and that's what what made you basically. And in our case, it's definitely like the boom bap '90s era in a way that we still love today, you know. Yeah. And so it's it's always um, that kind of secret to find that balance. Dad, do you have a favorite track you've done? Uh, yeah, like Marno says, the Starlight is standing out. I like Cardiac Rhythm with Sean Strange. I think that's a tremendous track. Um, the hook and everything and, and the production mm. uh, came together really well. And I like the whole ending with the um, sample out of the, the series. Uh, what is it called? Sopranos? Mm-hmm. Was Sopranos, Sopranos, yeah, yeah. yeah. And ah. so that really was like a, a cool thing. And yeah, Onyx, definitely. That that wake the fuck up the tunnel i like that song a lot because mm-hmm. simply because of the topic and everything and and every mc came up with some um nice verses so right yeah i yeah, mean yeah. the wake the fuck up joint in general like the whole album you know like we don't fucking care for example with sean p and aesop ferg like that's that's a crazy combination too you know yeah and we was first like when fredro said like yo we're gonna had Aesop Ferg on it, I was like, huh, okay, because I'm, I'm not specifically listening to Aesop Ferg, but he really came through, you know, he he definitely killed it, though, I, you know, like, it's, if you listen to the joint, and if you be honest, you know, like, even if you're not digging Aesop Ferg's regular music, you know, he definitely killed that beat, though, like, you can't take that away from him. Yeah, um, for me, honestly, like, um, I actually do a, uh, a radio show Saturday nights, and, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been about 10 years, but around 2012 is when it started. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on a radio station at the time in New Hampshire. But um, the song from you guys, I, I played a lot that year. I believe it was 2012 is Get Off the Ground. Mm-hmm. Did, didn't it come out that year? Do you know? Right. Yep. Yep. From the Yeah, I really like that track. And um, I like the um, Ted Koppel song. It's Virtuoso mm-hmm. with uh, M. Dot. M. Dot, yep. Yeah, that song is incredible. That's actually one of my favorite M. Dot songs that he's on. Word, Mm -hmm. yeah, he killed that joint for sure. Yep, yep. You know, it's it's man, like like I said before, like you know, you don't really bump your own album, but then once you listen to an album, you always realize, oh yeah, man, we did that joint too. And then you know, (laughs) we have a joint with Beanie Man, and then we have Ghostface, and you know, all these features and and it's it's and then when you look at each single song you know you're like oh shit yeah this is actually pretty cool and so it's always tough to charge your own music in a way you know and i and it's you know it's like going into a restaurant too man like nobody's gonna order the same food there you know like everybody has ordered a different dish you know and that's that's what our albums are basically everybody will find a piece on on that album you know if you're not going for the hardcore stuff you probably go for some more melodic stuff or whatever mm. that's i think that's that's one part of the snow goons what always also made the snow goons bigger yeah that's what's crazy about hip-hop is like my my favorite album someone might hate and they might fr- have a different favorite album that i've never even bothered to listen to you know or like mm-hmm. their favorite song on the album is my least favorite or something you know but right right is there any artist that you guys have been dying to work with that is like a dream for you to get on a track that you that are like at the top of your list yeah it's not a it's not a secret you know it's for me personally it's definitely nas you know like oh yeah 
we was just talking today about it, like um, the, the the last joint he just put out now, um, surprisingly, like I believe before Christmas or something. Or was yeah, it New Year's? Or the, right the after? Ma magic album, the new one. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like he, he's such an incredible artist, man. Like, even if we all know about his um, past years where he's not the best beat picker or whatever, but he, he still carries a lot of joint just with his voice and, and the way he rhymes and, you know, it's to me he has been constantly like a, a top artist from from the first album you know like Illmatic definitely blew me away back then and, and you have to imagine man at the time when he came out I barely even spoke English you know I oh, wow. I, I understood very little English and um, I could still feel like the energy and the power and everything on these songs somehow you know it mm. it really took me in, into the whole record, you know, and, and without even really speaking English, you know, so that's how powerful this album was, though. Yeah, that's so, actually my favorite album, and um, I feel like with this Magic album, I think that was the best album of 2021, and my favorite before it came out was KD2, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I slept on Hit Boy, like, I didn't really like KD1 very mm -hmm. much, I liked a couple songs, but, um, those two albums just blew me away. And, and so for me, like that, that put Nas over the top for me as my favorite MC ever. Like I, I'd always say before, like rock him and Nas are my two favorites in method, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now it's, it's just Nas is like, no one's doing that type of stuff 30 years later or whatever. Right. Yeah. That magic album um, changed a lot, you know, um, same over here. I co-signed because I listened to the, the album before and, and I was like, yo, Who's that hit boy guy? Where, where does he come from? How does Nas find him? And and how how come he uh, they're so close that he's producing everything? But but I gotta say now listen to the Magic album and what they did. You know what I think is these two guys they found each other and Nas is really having fun again. And mm. whenever Nas is having fun, he's coming up with good stuff. Whenever Nas is with his back against the wall, really with his back against the wall, he's coming up with good stuff. Remember that JC? Um, oh yeah, stuff you know. Whenever Nas is in his, in his comfort zone, you just get mediocre songs and mediocre albums, and that happened between say 2004 and 2000, basically 20. <laughs> but yeah, well, I, I think mean, like, I think he... the combination with Hit Boy. I got a lot of respect for that guy. You know, he's like super talented on the keys, knows what how to mix you know how that sound has to be and what they did they they brought back that sound you know like they they was vibing like in the 90s with the sound but still up to date with the rhymes and then the lyrics and everything and nas flow is nas flow is always there you know the lyrics sharp pen is sharp as hell so that's my favorite album right now yeah i can listen to it over and over again but um mm -hmm. i just um what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So w with Nas, like, he, he owns the record label that he's on now with Mass Appeal. So, you know, we're, we're going to keep getting good music from him, mm -hmm. hopefully. But um, so um, what was I going to say? Oh, I completely forgot. Um, and, oh, yeah. So for you guys, you mentioned Illmatic. Do you have a top five favorite albums of all time? <sighs> yeah. I mean, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Have no you ever thought about it? No or... particular order, but for me, you know, I I have to admit, you know, I, I'm all into Queens more than anything else. You know, I love Mob Deep. 
I love Nas. So obviously the infamous and, and the Illmatic, both super great album. CNN, yeah, War Report. Right. Um, for me, Arabian Rockham, the Paid in Full album. Yeah. And the Long Live the Kane, Big Daddy Kane album. Mm. So. All right. So yeah. um, I just get a couple more questions. Um, are you guys already working on another album? And um, are you releasing more just random singles anytime soon, you think? Yep. And yep. Um, <laughs> the thing is, we, we just started last year a new series called First of the Month where we drop a new joint every first of the month, because usually we always work on an album or, or on projects with other people. But we decided to um, just also do now a couple singles, basically. And, and, and then while the idea was there to drop a single every month, why not drop it on the first of the month, no matter the day, you know? Because we don't care about, like, I mean, you know, the industry, they go always with the Friday, which we did now, too, with the... Um, with the Renaissance Kings and stuff, but usually we care really less about like those industry commercial release dates and stuff per se. So with the first of the month, there was a cool series where we said like, all right, let's, let's hit them also with something different, do like different flavors, different artists. Like, of course we have sometimes as well, some usual suspects, but um, for the most part, uh, if you look at this series right now, it's like six or seven joints out already. And it's like up and downs, like there is Ritz, for example, and, you know, just like different artists that we haven't worked before, kind of. Um, so this is for the single stuff. And um, yeah, and, and, you know, Snowgun's always working, man. Like we have a whole album with Lords of the Underground. Um, it's still tucked in, though, because um, the Lords want to release it when we actually on tour, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to come out in 2020 already. But then, of course, Corona came, you know, and um, like this was actually right in the beginning because we had a big tour with Onyx and Lords of the Underground in April 2020. And um, if you remember when Corona came in like February, March, basically, like there was the lockdown in March that year. And Mm -hmm. so obviously every tour and everything was shut down, you know, and so they put the album kind of on ice. And, um, you know, so hopefully this year, maybe it will it will come out. So it definitely will come out. But, you know, it just has to be the right time. So that's but that's a project that's already done. But other than that, we working definitely on so much stuff right now. We have two free little projects that we um, about to finish and, you know, and want to definitely bring out this year. Also, Signature is working on uh, new solo joints because he's always been dropping like solo stuff as well as signature basically and he will have something this year so yeah it's going to be in a very exciting year this year mm. now um you guys must get flooded by rappers hitting you up all the time do you um like not want people to hit you up really or is like if there's any local if there's any um rappers listening you mm-hmm. know and they've always wanted to work with you guys would you want people to hit you up yeah, I mean, you know, it's 50-50. Like, I mean, it's cool. And I, you know, that's the game, basically. And, and that's cool, like, because this way we also found new talents, you know, and, and new connections. It it happened before, you know, that out of the blue, somebody hit us up, we checked out his stuff, and we really liked it. And then we start working, you know. Um, that's a big history of the Snow Goons as well. But then on the flip side, of course, like you said, there is a lot of people that hitting us up. And, you know, it sometimes it takes time to follow up and... 
uh, go through through the stuff and then we busy ourselves you know so it's always a, a i guess it's it's probably if you're gonna hit us up and we check out your stuff then you just hit us up at the right time you know it's a timing thing per se right yeah i guess you're right all right so um i'm gonna be respectful of you guys this time and um wrap it up in a minute so the renaissance king is actually king's album is out there right now it's going to be out here at midnight exactly yeah. in a few hours and it's available on vinyl cd and streaming um do people still listen to a lot of cds over there yeah i mean um we had a pretty decent pre-order now for especially on vinyl it's actually even more vinyl now than cds right um but yeah it's like yo i mean you know i don't I mean, man, I'm coming up from the 90s with um, copying records, you know, all the time. And um, I think nowadays it's really more like a collector's item thing, you know, where people still and, and we're pretty I don't know, we're pretty either lucky or, or I don't know if it's just a hip hop thing. But I feel like the hip hop people still like collecting CDs and especially vinyl, you know. So we have a lot of pre-orders, man. And like we're really happy in the position we are, especially now when we can't even tour because... When you tour and doing shows, you you constantly promoting obviously the music and sell a lot of merch, you know. Um, and now having only the online shop, but but that works pretty well, you know. So we can't complain at all, man. And I, I'm not sure if it's really a European or German thing though, because from what I see from the from the pre-orders, it's pretty all over the world. Like a lot of US actually um, ordering too, you know. Yeah. Canada, like it's it's definitely all over the place. So have you guys been stuck in Germany basically for a while, the last two years, or have you yeah, been traveling yeah. around? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, like beside like just the music, man. Like we did one festival last year in the summer in Finland. That was our only show, and I believe in the year before, um, once Corona hit, I, I did like one more spinning uh, as a DJ in Switzerland. But that's pretty much it, man. Like there is there's really no shows going on at all. Were you guys in the U.S. a lot before this happened? Yeah, yeah. I would say twice a year, roughly. And, you know, we was actually in 2020 when Corona came. We was there over New Year in from 19 to 20, basically. So we started the year in the U.S. actually. And then, and of course, since that, we haven't been back in the U.S. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to let the listeners know before before I let you go? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, um, you were saying like um, for if any artists listening and stuff, you know, I always just can give an advice. Like if you if you an artist out there trying to come up and, you know, because everybody starts somewhere, you know, stay consistently, man. Like it's it's like believe in yourself, you know, do you and um, just follow the music, you know, that's that's how it worked for us, man. And um, and then on the other side, for anybody out there as as a per se hip hop fan, you know, not not specific as Snowguns fan, but hip hop man, like, you know, do your do your research and study the culture, you know. It's like we definitely have to pay respect to the architects, you know. And um but yeah man, once again we'd be very grateful for for all the people that supporting us and supporting hip hop in general, you know, and and even um exactly the same people like you, you know, you're doing podcasts, you're investing time, doing a great job, you know, and um, that's that's what this hip hop culture makes the hip hop culture basically, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you guys have any shout outs before before we go? And can you let people know where they can find you online? 
Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple, though. If you if you just use Google and type in snow goons, you'll be right there. All the top searches is like the, you know, the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube. Everything is straight snow goons, basically. Everything is verified, so it's easy to find us, definitely. And um, if you want to reach out to us personal, man, on any of these sites, the, all the emails, they go straight to our um, personal accounts, basically, and... Um, so we will read whatever you write, even if you leave a comment on YouTube, we mainly see all the the comments and everything. So yeah, just just look for Snow Goons, you know, just spell the name right and you'll be good. All right. And do you guys have any shout outs for anyone? Pooh, not specifically to be honest, man. Of course, shout out to the whole crew, you know, Snow Goons DJs and Signature who can be here with us tonight. Um Everybody on the new album, you know, it's like always a, a great pleasure and, and, and an honor to work with, with the artists on the album, actually. And we can sometimes not even thank them, thank them enough, you know, for, for their work as well. Dad, do you have anything you want to say before the show yeah. is over? Thanks a lot for having us, having that interview and stuff, giving us the opportunity to talk a little bit about how we came up and like Mono Z, when whenever people want to hit us up, that that's Mono Z is part of the game. I say this is part of the culture, you know, communication. Keep up the communication. We hit up people, you know, um, hey, let's work. People hit us up, and this is how creativity meets, you know. And and from that point on, if if no no one would send out emails, nothing would happen. So every email is a good investment. And we're always happy to talk to people, so uh, we encourage to do that. Uh, and shout-outs, it's just artist-wise, too many people, but um, like the super close are like, shout-out to Reef the Lost Cause, shout-out to the Boston crew, like NBS, that's um, Flash and Nux, uh, Virtuoso on the West Coast now, Sean Strange sitting in Queens, New York. Uh, these are like the close artists, K-Press, of course, uh, um, Jersey artist. Uh, the whole Philadelphia, New York, and Boston, that's basically these three cities are like, became kind of home, you know, like mm. very familiar. Uh, we feel very comfortable. So whenever the whole pandemic thing is a little bit, uh, getting a little bit better and clouds clear, we definitely come over again. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. And, um, hold on. I want to give a shout out real quick to App Rock for making this happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Work, yep. Uh, yep. And uh also everyone check out the new video, the nineties are back part three. Just dropped today, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. So um thank okay. you very thank you very much guys for joining me. I really appreciate it and I'm really grateful for all the great music you've put out throughout the years and uh well, it's been a huge honor to talk to you tonight. All right, thanks, man. Stay All right, safe. thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. All right, brother. Take care. Stay, safe. Right. Stay safe. Peace. Peace. <laughs> The, 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 the Craig Crusher Podcast. Crusher.